Hello everyone, my name is Tyler Crew, and you're listening to episode 3 of Hop to the Mic podcast. I am here today at Hudson Valley Malt in Germantown, New York. Today I will be talking to Dennis and Janet Nessel of Hudson Valley Malt. I hope you enjoy. Oh, uh, thank you Dennis and Jeanette for sitting down. Um, oh, thanks for the, uh, the tour today, that was really awesome, it was my first time here. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, everything you described and seeing the process hands-on, uh, pretty neat. To, to see where grains and everything come from. You think you learned something? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> of course. We, we love to help enlighten the brewing world about <laughs> what malt is. A lot of people don't even know what it is. Yeah. So uh, what is the story behind Hudson Valley Malt? You want the short story or the long story? <laughs> oh, it's up to you, sir. <laughs> okay. So um, in a nutshell, Jeanette and I started Hudson Valley Malt in 2015 because we saw that right here in the Hudson Valley have an amazing brewing culture, okay? And when I say Hudson Valley, New York, we're talking from Albany all the way down to New York City, right? So we have an amazing brewing culture, and right here in Columbia County, which is one of the least populated counties throughout the Hudson Valley, we've got a great tradition of agriculture here, okay? So we have great farmers where we live, and we got great brewers where we live, but nobody was growing malting barley in 2015 here, and nobody was presenting that to local brewers who would use it. So Jeanette and I started a malt house, and uh, without getting too deep, the maltster's sole purpose in life is to convert raw barley that doesn't have sugar readily available for the brewer. We convert raw barley into the sugar source, into malt and malt is what the brewers need to make great beer. But there was no local malt and there was no local grains in 2015. So we set out to remedy that. Mm -hmm. What is the philosophy here at uh, Hudson Valley Malt? So what we do all day and every day is work with brewers and distillers whose mission is to make their beers out of local grains. So our philosophy is that is at the core of what we're all about, and that is to help connect the brewer to the farmer by way of malt. That's beautiful. Yeah. I have the culinary background and you know, food, you're providing, you're giving food, you're giving life, uh, nurturing, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, how does that make you feel that you're a part of something so so special that's happening at a rapid rate in the Hudson Valley here? We both come from the corporate world and the timing for this wave in this industry was perfect because we retired driving our desks to doing something uh, where we founded this company on our own and we feel it filled a hole in the market we needed a malt house here, uh, somebody to make our malt uh, for the brewers and the distillers in Hudson Valley. And even though it's hard work, it's much harder, much, lab much more labor intensive than what we used to do, it's so much more rewarding. You can see, I, I mean, when you see a farmer get a four pack of craft beer from a brewer that this farmer probably never even met and then have a smile on his face saying, you know, 
when he's told this is from your field. It's just so rewarding. It's an awesome industry. Kind of like uh, people that are listening at home can probably relate. It's like owning a garden when I mean, you pull one of those vine right tomatoes off the vine and you make a tomato salad or whatever with it. It's probably the same feeling. Uh, how, uh, what motivates you to keep doing what you're doing here at Hudson Valley Malt? I would say the demand is getting even bigger. I mean, it, it, there's more and more. When we first started, how many breweries, craft breweries, were there in New York State? Under 300, remember, right? Yeah. And now it's over 500. Yeah, it's a close to like six something now, Hutch was saying. It's insane. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity is there for growth. We've expanded how many times since 2015? We're on our fourth expansion right now. I think what motivates us is so we need money to live, but we don't live for money. Mm. So we've got enough money to live. What motivates us is that what we set out to do, we never thought would be this big. And to see all of the hard work that Jeanette and I have been through, you've been through the tour, you've heard of the headaches, you've heard of the things that keep us up at night, you've heard of the tough growing conditions, right? You've heard of the challenges that our farmers have. When you see things now like a pendulum, right? It started out like we couldn't sell 500 pounds a month. Now it's 60,000 pounds a month. And now we're going to double that. We just see that local brewers and distillers want to source the closest premium grains possible to their distillery or brewery. And that is really what's motivating us is that what we start out and struggled to do and get the message across seems to be really sticking now. Can you tell me a little bit about the malting process? How does it work and what is it and why is it important to beer in distilling? Okay. So Tyler, you can't make beer out of raw grain, right? So we've got farmers here in the Hudson Valley that grow the grains, right? What they didn't have was here in the Hudson Valley also a place to convert that raw grain into the sugar source that the brewer needs. It, when we came along in 2015, it had to be shipped out of the Hudson Valley then brought back here to the Hudson Valley if a brewer wanted to use it. So malt is the sugar source that the brewer needs, right? So the malting process is, do you remember when you were in grade school, did they give you a little Dixie cup and a bean and some soil? Sunflower and you, seeds. Sunflower <laughs> seeds was for you. Yeah. Okay. That, so sunflower seeds, a bean, uh, a, a grain of wheat or barley, any of that consists of starch, protein, and a dormant embryo, okay? It's dry, it's being stored. That's the seed. What wakes up that seed is it gets hydrated. And when it has enough water in it, the DNA of the seed says, hey, I've got a sprout. And once it sprouts, life begins for the seed. What's needed what the brewer needs is to have that raw grain converted to malt. And the way it happens is the plant does the work. The plant germinates. We guide it along. So here at the malt house, we hydrate it in large cisterns, large tanks. It hydrates in there. It uptakes water until it 
the seed says, hey, I've got a sprout. Then we cast it out on a floor. And on that floor, it's, you know, six inches deep. So there is that seed with a gazillion of its other right friends. They're sitting there and they start to germinate. They start to grow. Because the growing process, the germination process, where the plant breaks down its own protein into an enzyme to connect with the plant's starch. And when the enzyme connects to the starch, it creates sugar, which is the energy that pushes the sprout up through the ground to become a plant. We back up a few steps here. It germinates. We guide it along the way by hydrating it, by getting it on the floor to grow, to germinate. And then when it reaches a desirable point where the seed has grown to the point where the maltster says, hey, we've got the enzyme we need and we've got the starch we need. We put it in our kiln. And the kiln is where we have high velocity air and heat. We drive off the moisture. And then we incrementally raise that heat to create our unique flavors that come from this malt house. So when we're done, when we're done, we have a stable product that is now called malt, okay? That the brewer then runs through a mill and he crushes it. And he makes a coarse flour called grist. He puts that grist in warm water, 152 degrees Fahrenheit. The protein that now has been converted to an enzyme and the starch, so the starch and the enzyme are soluble. They marry and become sugar. So the process, steeping, germinating, kilning. Now we hand that off to the brewer. Any specific equipment that you need? Could somebody grow wheat in their backyard and try to malt if they wanted to do that at home? Sure, if, you, if this was TV, you'd see me pointing to this arm and this arm, okay? We are old school here, you saw how we make malt. You do it on the floor. Yes, <laughs> you do. So, um, the important piece of equipment is between your ears. It's using your, your, your head, it's using your strength, it's using your nose, your sight. So it's about, it's about sensory. It's about seeing, smelling, tasting, understanding the different steps as it grows through. So you're basically, this is a craft, hands-on, you're seeing it all and you're guiding it through its germination. So when you ask about tools, there are large tanks, of course, that the barley germinates in, but then it goes on a floor and we have hand tools. And hand tools is to rake that malt to introduce oxygen to the malt so that it can grow, right? I told you earlier that we want to guide it along so it needs to be given oxygen so that it can breathe and germinate because it's the germinating of the plant that actually breaks down the protein into the enzyme the brewer needs to make the malt. So we have rakes, we have shovels, we have wheelbarrows, okay? And all of those tools combined with the muscle between our ears and the muscles in our arms is how we make malt here. How much grain do you malt here a year? If you want to give a rough rough. Okay, so uh, last year we did 700 what? 742,000 pounds of malt. This year we're going to double that. Wow. What type of grains do you malt here? So, Tyler, the, the main grain that we malt is barley, malting barley. Barley is king for beer. Why is barley king and not wheat, oats, rye? There are many other grains. Barley is king for beer because barley has a husk, okay? 
and that husk when, when beer is being made, and the husk becomes the filter bed. So when you've got that sugary wart, right, when, when you have that temperature 152 where this grist now has become soluble to create the sugar the brewer needs, that sugary liquid filters down through the husk bed and comes out right out of the mash tun as a golden or amber-hued sugary liquid called wort. Doesn't come out with chunks or particles or anything in it. It's just this beautiful amber colored wort because the filter bed prohibits all that from coming out. It's a natural filter bed. Barley is king also because of it's got a perfect ratio of starch to protein. Protein is what we convert to enzyme and starch, the, the starch reserves, the fat plump kernels of starch with a little bit of protein, it's got both. And the protein is converted to an enzyme, the enzyme converts the starch to sugar. So that's what brewers want, sugar. Distillers how, many, too. how many breweries and distilleries do you sell to? So we started out here in the Hudson Valley, um, mostly taking care of those close to home here. Um, but last year we started to get calls from Buffalo to Riverhead. So we serve breweries throughout our state, as well as close to home here in the Hudson Valley and in neighboring states as far as, as uh, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, Virginia, yeah, Virginia, Vermont, Connecticut, Massachusetts. Wow. How many breweries, though, you said? Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere around 125. It started out as um, we were catering to the farm breweries because of the Farm Brewery Act. And then the word spread about the freshness and the flavor of our malt, so then it expanded into macro breweries that were using tonnage and and then to distillers for the enzymatic did i say that right action so distilleries we're heavy in whiskey here our our malt house um, we have partnerships with uh, hudson valley distilleries many of them and they use a lot of grain so um, an american single malt whiskeys are starting to be very very popular here in the Hudson Valley. So um, a large part of our business is, uh, you could say, is we are um, in the service of the whiskey makers in the Hudson Valley as well as brewers throughout the state. Yeah. What first got you interested in malting? What drew, what drew you to malting? Okay, so I, I got interested in malting like Jeanette said earlier, we had other careers, and so I would, you know, so I wore a suit, not these overalls. My hair was shorter, right? Um, I'd work all day, get off at five o'clock, and I'd rush over to my homebrew shop near my office. Couldn't wait to get there, to get, and usually it would be a Friday, to get my 10 pounds of malt, my hops, my yeast, and come home here on the weekend and make craft beer, make a, a homebrew, right? What got me into malting was um, 2013, we grew our own, we grew an acre of barley out here behind our, in our farm, and we grew our own hops. Jeanette and I got married that fall in October, and so we picked our own hops, we used our own barley and malted our own barley small scale, and we made our 
uh, what we called our I do brew for our wedding out of all the ingredients that we grew and malted and brewed. Pretty nuts, huh? Yeah, that's awesome. So why did why you know? So I loved making beer. It was, it was a it was a hobby. Um, Jeanette and I um, were talking one day because our kids are grown. In a way, we live in a big farmhouse with empty bedrooms. We have acreage here. We have a large barn, um, and the large barn had two horses in it. So here on our farm. Um, even though I was a fan of uh, craft beer and uh, we were new at craft beer and um, making, making homebrew, right? Mm. And then uh, we were growing our own hops, our own barley, and then one night we had um, one of our growers that lives close by. His name is Ken Migvarelli. He has a farm and he grows a lot of our barley. He was over for dinner. He saw my hops, and he saw my my barley field, my little barley field, and and my homebrew set up. And he chuckled because, you know, here I am doing this as a hobbyist, and he is uh, a farmer, and so he farms thousands of acres while I'm sitting here with one acre. <laughs> right. So he says to me, "Hey, I'm putting a New York State farm brewery on my farm." And I said, what is that? What's a New York State farm brewery? He says, ah, it's some, something about uh, you have to use New York ingredients. I said, okay. And then, uh, then he says, but in order for me to use the grains that I grow on my farm, I have to ship them out of state or to, you know, hundreds of miles away to western part of the state to be malted. And then I got to bring it all the way back here. And I said, well, what's malting? He says, well, it's some kind of process of converting the grain to where it can be used for brewing. He didn't know, neither did I. <laughs> so, um, what, what was funny to me was, are you kidding me? We've got the breweries here and we've got the agriculture here, but it, to, to use it in the breweries here, it has to be shipped out of here and then brought back <laughs> seemed crazy. So Jeanette and I are business people and we saw that and we thought that, you know, that that was a weakness in the supply chain. There's no connection being made between the brewer and the farmer. Malting is that connection that's missing. So we looked at each other and said, okay, I love making beer, but I don't think the Hudson Valley needs another brewery at the moment. I think the Hudson Valley needs, what Jeanette says is there's a hole in the market. There was a huge weakness in the Hudson Valley's grain supply chain. That's what got us interested in malting. We started to do our homework and went to classes, all kinds of classes, and learned, asked questions, read books, did everything we could, and then we built this place and then started making it, because I'm, I can only read so much and I gotta start doing it. And so, yeah, so we had a learning curve and um, our brewers that worked with us in the beginning were our guinea pigs. They were great. They're the ones that gave us the feedback and the things that we needed to know to get better extract, to get better flavor, to match the styles of Truly. And so it was a struggle because there really wasn't a, you know, anybody locally that you could ask you know, that would help you. And I might add that uh, the conversation with Ken, the farmer, was good timing. Once again, because 
that opportunity sparked what we are now, a malt house. And it took Dennis out of that little barley field where he almost cut his finger off while harvesting. So we left that to the farmer. Yeah. <laughs> we know, malt, you farm. It comes down to this. We know who we know. We know what we don't know. And we know who knows what we don't know. <laughs> right? I'm the kind of guy that'll try to do just everything himself. And that can be dangerous. My dad, I can always remember dad always saying to me, son, use your resources. And I was just like, you know, we were growing our own barley. We were growing our own hops. We were doing everything ourselves. But I'm glad we did, because we learned. We learned the struggles. We learned it's not easy. Um, we learned the hard way. You're right, I got hurt out there. But leave the growing to the farmer. What was your opinion on craft beers and whiskeys before you started malting your own barley? I thought it was pretty cool because... Uh... Okay, so this is back in 14 and 15, maybe even back in 13, when we were, you know, 12 and 13, we were, maybe it was 13 we were making our own beer. So I would come home from the office and I would stop at the gas station that had a, a craft beer selection in there back then right I'm talking eight years ago and i'd we would buy a six pack of some a couple six pack maybe two or three and come home and try them and say what's this big deal you know what's going on because we really weren't you know mm. too familiar with anything out there I, I think one day um we were we were plowing the backfield we were cutting some trees my son danny and i we were getting ready to plant there it was march of 2013 we were getting ready to plant in the back field, and we were just doing it. We were plowing it, getting ready, uh, getting ready to plow it and, and plant. And then in the afternoon, Jeanette made a few phone calls to a couple of breweries to see if we could go and take a tour. And we took a tour of Keegan Ales in Kingston. Um, after working hard that day, we went over there just before closing, and we got a flight of beers, tried their craft beers, uh, then went over to their, uh, right across from the brewery, they had a, um, a homebrew shop and right there we got set up with a kit to, you know all the brewing equipment and he gave us a recipe for making American pale ale and he gave us everything we needed and we wrote the recipe down on a napkin and came home and brewed that um, I forget what your question was I was just telling the story there <laughs> Does you, uh, what was your opinion on craft beers and whiskeys before you started making malt yeah well, I can say, I can interject yeah. and say that I had no idea. There were so many different kinds of beer, so many ways you could make it and so many flavors you could incorporate into a beer. And when we were getting into malting initially, it, the IPA explosion happened on the East Coast. I think that was happening. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'd say in one word, flavor. Mm. One word. You. Craft beer has flavor, and as Jeanette said, many flavors. You can have the Belgian styles. You can have, you know, you could have the the California style IPA. You could have a, you know, California Common. You could have a craft Pilsner, craft Lager, uh, and then what was going on in uh, in Vermont and all those kind of things came later. The hazy IPAs and stuff like that. But it, it was exciting. It was new. And I think it was about flavor. And I truly believe, and I say it a lot these days, we are in the flavor business. Yeah. And speaking of whiskey, so we were, maybe not you, but I was developing 
a taste, a, a flavor for the whiskey. I was becoming a whiskey chick. I like to taste the different uh, whiskeys that were coming out of the craft world here in New York. Which is truly right, right now is where the whiskeys are coming into their own because they've got to spend some time in the barrels, right? Yeah. So some of these wonderful single malts are starting to come out now that have been resting in wood for four years, okay? How has your relationship with the community improved over the years, providing grains, uh, malted grains to uh, the community? I would say, uh, because I was involved with the corporate world, it was very centralized, about an hour south of here in Poughkeepsie. I had a lot of clients and whatnot, but this community that we're involved with now is, it's interesting, it's very localized, very uh, Columbia County, but again, it's very worldwide. At the same time, it's just a whole different industry where there is a ton of collaboration, even among competitors, which I, being in the corporate world, had never experienced before. I could not believe that a competing, two competing brewers would exchange recipes or help each other out. It was extraordinary to see. I, yeah. I loved it. I love this community. You heard it said, right? Beer is community, right? I'm pretty sure that the liberty that we won from England, right, back in the days of George Washington, came from people that were in a tavern having a, a pint or two discussing liberty, community. So, so Beer is community, I've heard it said, and I'm sure I'm stealing from somebody, but I can't remember and I apologize. But when you're making a local craft product that's grown here, malted here, brewed here, distilled here, enjoyed here, you got these young brewers that are going, you know, they're, they're coming into business, right? They're creating a beer right of their own their unique style right we, we talked earlier about how many different styles of beer they are there's so much uniqueness out there and people that have a dream these young brewers going out there you know borrowing money to buy all that expensive equipment pulling on rubber boots and taking their recipes that they learned as a home brewer like in their dorm in their basement or in their garage and creating something of their very own right like I said, pulling on rubber boots and, and making something to present to their community. But they're also going into old, burnt out, crappy old factories, the stores in town that have been vacated long ago, uh, storefronts, mall. Every, I've, I've seen a Sears, um, uh, a Sears store in a mall where Sears left is now a large brewery with a parking lot for, what, 2,000 cars. Wow. I mean, so when you see brewers, um, you know, good old American ingenuity getting in there, building breweries, taking their recipes, building beers, asking their community to come in and try it, right, and support them, going into these old places and bringing life back to towns and, and cities, even city centers, that's what we love to see. And we're part of that, and we love being part of that. That's the glory of being a monster because our job is hard sometimes it's dirty and dusty but when we see the success that our brewing partners are having out there and that we know that our grains and our malt is in their beers that that are helping them that is just rewarding 
How has the uh, community responded to having a local malt supplier? The brewing community is, uh, I don't know how many times has my phone gone off sitting here with you. <laughs> I mean, they're calling yeah. for malt. The last two years have been tough. That was, was one of my questions I was going to ask. Yeah, so here we are now, right? We did our first tour today in two years to the Culinary Institute of America students, right? So, so brewers have struggled these last two years. It, it, their game was changed mm -hmm. on how they're going to operate. And they, they've done great, but now they're poised to, to do even better. So the success of our brewers and so they're having success is why we're having success because they need more malt they're doing a good job so that's why we're in our fourth scale up to you know to keep scaling up so that we're able to work to their scale we didn't dream that it would be this big what are your goals for hudson valley malt what would you like to see in the near future besides expansion well i know my wife sitting next to me would like to spend more time relaxing, okay? Malting is tough. Um, at least we're not driving a desk. It keeps us in shape. Um, but our goals are to take it to the next level, okay? We've struggled. We've worked out a lot of the kinks. Um, we've built a good reputation our name, our malts, our customers, the brewers and distillers out there, we, we enjoy working with them. Mm. It is rewarding, right? They can call us anytime. Any challenges that they're having, they call us. I deliver to breweries. I talk to brewers. I shake their hands. I hear their challenges. I know what kind of beers they make. I know what they like and what they don't like. All of that stuff is, you know, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, handshake-to-handshake kind of stuff. I enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, we would like to take it to the next level, and what that is is we're in the middle of a project now, scaling this up again so that we can just make more of it. Yeah? Is there anything else you would like to share to the audience? I think you pretty pretty much covered it. Um, we are Hudson Valley Malt. Just remember that in 2015 there was nobody here in the Hudson Valley converting grains that could be brewed with. And I feel, perhaps, and I feel strongly about this, that in the future, many years from now perhaps, when a brewer is asked by a craft beer lover that happens to be in their brewery, hey, you know, what ingredients do you use to make these beers? Are they local? And then the brewer says, we use local ingredients, of course. Why wouldn't we? So we have more work to do to make that a reality. And that's what drives us, right? You've hit the ground running. You're doing, yeah. Both of you are doing amazing here. 
it was uh, really awesome getting to see uh, I've followed you on Instagram for a while um, now and uh, it was actually really cool to come finally visit and tour and see the operation and how everything works day to day and uh, I really thank you Dennis and Jeanette for your your insights and your knowledge and sharing that with me you got it thank you good luck to you thank you I would like to give a special thanks to Hudson Valley Malt. Dennis and Jeanette's continued work have been key to the craft beer industry in the Hudson Valley. Without them, the practice of local beer would not be possible. Thanks for listening to episode three of Hop to the Mic podcast. My name is Tyler Crute. Be sure to tell someone that you love them. And as always, thanks for listening. Tyler Krudigan. I'm saying farewell for now. Some context. I'm graduating college in a couple days from now, and this entire podcast was a senior project of mine. Um, This entire project wouldn't have been possible without my peers, uh, my family, and you, the listeners. Um, I really appreciate you sitting down and listening um, to what I have to say and what my guests have to say. Uh, Yeah, uh, forever grateful for every this entire opportunity has been just like nothing but rewarding um i came into this project um knowing nothing about recording audio uh, microphones you know nothing i knew nothing about it and here i am sitting down talking to you currently about this project you know i'm reflecting on this project right now and uh It wouldn't have been possible without my peers, uh, my family, my mother, my brothers, my dad. Um, Yeah, Uh, my grandparents. I love you all. Yeah, I love the listeners, too. (laughs) I love you all. Be sure to tell somebody that you love them. And I'm signing off for now. You'll hear from me soon.